Thank you to the church uh, for all that you've done. Thank you for your labours. Uh, you know, I, I've had enough conferences in our uh, church in Australia. We had our first one in Thailand in October of last year. Brother Fisher was able to come, Brother Bax. And uh, I understand that conferences cost money. <laughs> and there's always an expense, there's always sacrifice. And uh, a lot of people have to do a lot of things. A lot of things happen before, you know, we ever arrive here. A lot of prayer. And a thank you to the church uh, for what you do. Uh, when I come up here, uh, I feel an unusual sense uh, of God's leading. And I can only put that down to the fact that before I got here, uh, you've been praying. You've cultivated something before I got here, before the other preachers got here and those who've taught. So thank you for that. We, we do sense that. Uh, when I come here, I, I don't have anything worked out before I fly. I don't have a file where I say, I'll, I'll just pull these messages and we'll do that. Uh, I usually have no idea uh, what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't have any files to pull. Uh, but I just come and, and try to discern uh, what would God have have me to do? And uh, I just think the way that people have prayed beforehand, the Spirit of God is able to just pull things together and to give us all what we need. And I think that's what we want. Uh, what, what we're wanting is to hear from God. Uh, we want God to speak to us in a real way. Uh, you know, we don't want to just shout and walk away and there be nothing there. Uh, we, <clears throat> we want some substance. Uh, we want the Spirit of God to talk to us. Uh, we will separate after tonight, and we will return to our respective places where God has placed us. And we will go back to, to do the thing the Lord has asked us to do. And uh, some will go back to the difficulties that you left before you came here. Uh, I'm already thinking of things I will be facing as I go back to Thailand. But uh, I'm glad that we were able to assemble in this way and God meet with us. In the Bible, periodically, uh, God's people would all come together and they would assemble. And their purpose in doing that was not to assemble with each other, but was to assemble before God that God could speak to them or, or minister to them on occasions they needed God's help. Um, and so we have assembled here over these past uh, few days. I think God has said different things to us. I, I do believe we've heard from God. There's just, there has something, um, there's something good about the way that this conference has so far gone. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's it's not a uh, it's not a stage production, it's not a big uh, event of choreography. It's just it has a feeling of being authentic and real, and uh, we 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 must we must not lose that. Uh, we we must not lose the authenticity. We must not attempt to substitute things for the real presence of God. Uh, we, we need we need the real thing. You you need God. You need you need God yourself. You're facing things. You need God. Uh, your family needs God. Our churches need God. Uh, all of this started with Him in us. And if He's not there, we have nothing, and we can do nothing. And so I just appreciate the the authenticity here. Uh, it will not be a late night tonight as much as I am, I'm aware, at least my part. Uh, and I will just give you something I hope will help you that you can take away and, um, and uh, go and go with God. And God go with you as you go to what you go to. Matthew chapter number 16. Uh, I want to read two verses from here. Now, in a moment, I'm going to go across to Exodus 33, and I'm going to read more than two verses. Uh, but I want to introduce the thought uh, from here. In uh, verse number 20, it says, Then charged he his disciples, 
that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. He was the one. And we can deduce from that that the disciples had come to the clear understanding of who he was. Uh, They had heard enough, seen enough, uh, and been convinced of God. They knew the truth. The the blinds had been opened. Uh, Their their understanding had been enlightened. And they realized that, yes, he is the Christ. Others had come before that and tried to claim that mantle, uh, that name, and uh, they were fraudulent, and the people discovered that. And so uh, they realized that he was the real one, as you and I realize. Uh, I find this, when people get saved all over the world, they never go looking for anything else. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but, but it happens in Thailand. When people get saved in Thailand, they just, they, they realize... This is the truth. This is it. It's real. He's real. There is a God. And, and they don't go looking for anything else. They're, they're not on a journey to find meaning and, and, uh, and, uh, and to touch religious experience. You know when you've got it. And it's real. And you understand that. When you get to Jesus, you know there's nowhere else to go. He's the only one. He has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. And, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. And they came to that understanding that he was the Christ. And I, I just, you know, I, I, I find myself sometimes just dreaming about what it must have been like to, to, know, to know that, or as much as they could know it, and actually to see somebody like you're seeing me and I'm seeing you. I, I thought about it last night when Brother Davidson was preaching. Uh, what a moment it must have been. To, for, for John the Baptist to look up and to see him. And I, I found myself, as I was listening, uh, as visualizing in my mind that place and, and just to see him walking along. And, and it'll just be a good thing, a, a good thing. We're going to see him one day. I feel like now we've seen him. I really do. I, I understand what he said. When he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How is it that you say you, you haven't seen the Father? And, uh, and, and I understand that in the sense of I haven't seen him, but I feel like I've seen him. Really, all I feel like I haven't seen is a visual image, but I feel like I've seen him. I've been near him. He's been near me. I feel there's times he's cradled me and come in close. And, and, uh, and so, but one day it'll move beyond that. And uh, we'll actually, we'll actually see him. There are others who've gone ahead of us who've seen him already and are seeing him now. And, uh, and, and that must be something quite wonderful. And I, and I look forward to that. And I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be a marvelous day. Oh, I like what somebody sang the other day. They were singing up here about death. And I don't know, it just sort of caught me, but they just said, uh, and when I fly away. And I thought, oh, that's a good way to look at it. You know, not when I expire, you know, not, not when I die, when I fly away. And I thought, that's just how it is. We'll just fly away and, and, uh, and the Lord will, will be there. So, so they came to that understanding. And then uh, in verse number 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now that tells us something. It tells us firstly that Jesus knew what was coming to him in great detail. It, it tells us that, that Jesus was very much in a place of understanding of what was going to take place. I mean, he, he knew, he knew the identities. He knew, he knew the people. He, he began to explain to them all of this and, and tell them. And, and he knew that he was going to be killed. 
and, uh, and be raised again the third day. And he was very clear on all that. And uh, that didn't make him a depressed person. And uh, that didn't... Now, now, if I knew all that, I, I think if I knew that, I, I think if I was like Saul and God had pronounced to me that to, uh, tomorrow uh, you're going to go into death. And, uh, and I want you to think about that as, as Saul went that day. You know, I, I have a certain amount of admiration for the fact that he woke up that day after being told how that day was going to end. And he strapped on his armor nonetheless. And he went out to face what he needed to face. And I have a certain amount of respect for that. Uh, he knew what was coming. Uh, but for Jesus to know all these things and yet not, not obsess personally about that, to still be available for everybody else, to still love others, to still care about others. You know, sometimes we, we excuse our lack of caring. We excuse our indifference. We excuse our anger, our frustration. We excuse our flesh sometimes because we say, you don't understand what's going on with me right now. You, you don't, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. Like it's okay to be that way because I have a lot on my plate. And Jesus sort of had a lot on his plate. He, he was going to face some things, uh, and he was really very much aware of that and uh, in great detail. And he began explaining that to them. Now, the curiosity is this, that when the events took place that he had apparently uh, been teaching them and telling them in, in rather explicit detail that when those events took place, they didn't recognize it. After they would talk about the cross, uh, after they would magnify the cross and, and lift up the cross, after they would talk about it being the power of God and the salvation and and after it would all become clear. But, but, but the Bible says when these events that he told them was going to happen and, and laid it out in very, seemed like very, uh, detailed account of what was going to come, that when it actually happened, the Bible says in Matthew 26, all the disciples forsook him and fled. When it was actually happening, they couldn't recognize it. When it was taking place, they didn't stand at the cross and say, you know, I, I just need to capture this moment. This is a defining moment of humanity. This is, the, this is the culmination of everything that God had been promising to us. And it's taking place right now as he promised it would. They, they didn't do that. They fled. And, and, and they didn't see it. And they didn't recognize it when it was going on. And there's a reason for that. And I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33, because I think it is explained to us here. And you say, what is this about? This is something about you. About what happens to you. When things are happening to you. And you don't understand. And you don't see it when it's happening. And I want you to notice here, and I want to do the reading, and then I'll refer you back to some uh, of these uh, points here. Exodus 33. I'd like to look from verse number 11, probably through to the end of the chapter. And I hope you can enter into this reading and, and just see something here. Uh, what you will see you will see how intimate the relationship is between Moses and God. Verse number 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, and this is just sort of like a side thought, but it isn't really, but it says, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, I don't want to visit that tonight, but to say that when Moses had spoken with God, uh, he went to do what he needed to do. But apparently God asked Joshua to remain behind. He wanted to talk to him about something. 
And uh, verse number 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. I think all of us would want that. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses said, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Verse number 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, and this is a very intimate exchange, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. This is a very, very personal exchange, almost as it were between two friends. And we're getting to, to listen to it. We're getting to listen to Moses talking to God. When God said there in that passage, in verse number uh, 11, that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend, it was not that, that Moses saw him face to face. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the kind of relationship they had was like two friends sitting down, dialoguing and talking with each other. And that was, it's very, it's very unique. It, this is very insightful. It's very insightful to Moses and how he felt about God. And it's very insightful to God and how he felt about Moses. And we're just getting to observe that and to see what's happening here. And so, so Moses, I mean, he loves God. He likes God. Moses and God are friends. Moses and God have been together for quite a while. And, uh, and uh, Moses has come to appreciate God and learn him. And Moses has learned more of God as he's journeyed through his life. Moses has seen, has done some things that he knew were not wise. He's learned from God. He's learned his ways. Uh, and there's a, there's a very special thing that was sort of taking place between them. And uh, so as an outworking of what Moses felt about God, you know, he wanted to move beyond just communicating like friends. He wanted to see something more. And he wanted to see it. He wanted to see God. He, he, he wanted to, 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 to come close to God, not because he was doubting and, and he needed some sort of visual confirmation or some sort of miraculous confirmation. He'd already, he'd already seen the miracles. He, there was, this was not an issue of doubt. This wasn't some sort of novelty event where he just wanted to see God, like, I wonder what you really look like. 
It wasn't that way. This was an expression of his heart, his love for God. I, I want, I want to come closer. I want, I want even more of you than I have already. And I want to tell you something about God. The more you have of God, the more you want of God. When, when you taste of God, you want more. You don't want less. And, and when you, when you, when you, when you get to know Him and you have a closeness with Him, you want more and more. He, he, you want to get in even further. And Moses wanted that. And, and he had entered into something with God that was really, uh, quite amazing. Uh, he already had the dialogue, but, but he says there, I want you to see, he says in verse number 13, show me now thy way that I may know thee. Now that, that I may know thee is not like, you know, he didn't know him. It's not like two people who haven't met and they want to know each other. It's not that. It's, it's show, show me you. Show me the way you are. I want to know you more. Bring me in closer. Let, 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 let what is in my spirit embrace your spirit. Let deep communicate with deep. I, I want that. It's about you. And, 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 and I really want that. And he asks that in verse 13, and he reiterates it in verse number 18. And you'll notice that I beseech thee. It's like I'm going to ask again. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, because he's there, he's God's friend. And he's, he asks again, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I, I want to, I want to know you more. I want to come closer. I want, I want to see it. I, I, I want even a deeper level with you than what I have now. I don't want to pull back. I want to jump in and I want more because being around you is good. Talking with you is good. You know, sometimes the Thais say to me, they don't know what to say. Nobody schooled them in a little Christian sayings. And so they just say what's on their heart. But they will say, you know, when I, when I pray to God, I feel good. Well, amen, that's okay. It does feel good to draw close to the Lord and, and to have Him around. And when you get there, you don't want to retreat from that. You actually hunger for something more. And if you don't have this, don't settle for what you already have. Don't, don't, don't trade that off. Don't trade away what you're doing for God as a substitute to knowing God and, and getting close to God. And by the way, it is never one or the other. The more you know of Him, the closer you come to Him, the more you enter into His embrace, the more you will do for the Lord. But we put the cart before the horse, the tails wagging the dog. And we need to get back to, to having this heart where, where it's all about him and uh, that desire to get. So Moses says, you know, I want to know your way. I want to know you. I, show me your glory. And uh, God responds to that. God understands the hunger in Moses' heart. God understands what Moses is, is feeling and wanting. And God uh, talks to him about that. And God says something. In verse number 20, and this is, as they talk to each other, God communicates something here. In verse number 20 is not only a point of reality, it is a great doctrinal truth. And God says to Moses, look, something you have to understand. I, I under, and, and I'm going to just, I understand your longing. I know what you want. And, and you're beseeching me. I, I want that. And I want that for you too, Moses. But there's just some, something set up here that you need to understand. You cannot see my face because no man can see me and live. All right? Now, now, now you say, well, where did that come from? God. God has made a rule. It's an unction from the Holy One. It's not going to change. It's something we have to understand. 
if the folks on the other side could talk to us now, they'd say, yeah, you have to understand that in the life you're in now, you're on this, that side of it, we're on this side, but on that side there is a rule, and the rule is that you can't see him like we're seeing him now. Uh, that, that will come to you after, but you can't have that now in this life. You can't see his face. Do you understand? This is not abstract. This is, this is real. You, you understand what I'm saying? We're not using that term in a sense of drawing close. He's literally saying to Moses, you can't, you can't see me. You can't, you, no man can do that and live. So God has made a law, a rule, it just is, that he is not going to fully reveal himself to us in this life. He's not going to show you it all in this life to nobody. By the time you understand it all and you see it all, you'll be dead. But this side, it will not be so. So God says, we'll journey together, we'll talk together, I'll lead you, I'll be close to you, I'm your God, but I'm also your friend, but it has to be on this basis You can't see my face, that can't happen. But you want to see me, I understand you desire Moses, and I want to accommodate you, and I want to give you as much as I can give you now, Uh, and so this is what we'll do. So God says, what you need to do, in verse number 21, firstly, you have to stand upon a rock. Are we thinking of anything right now? Firstly, if you're going to come that close to God, if you're going to see this closeness with God, firstly, you must be standing on the rock. All right? Now, now I don't think it's stretching things to suggest. The Bible tells us in Corinthians that rock was Christ. It tells us both in Psalm 118 and Acts chapter 4, that he was the cornerstone the builders rejected. And I think it's an unmistakable implication of the text that if you're going to see God, you have to be standing on the rock. Without Christ, you will not see God. There are not alternative paths. There are not other ways. Uh, it, It will not come to you. You will not see it. You cannot know him. Uh, there's only one way you can know the Father. You need to be on the rock. So the Lord says to Moses, okay, all right, you want to see me, you want to come closer, you want a revealing. I understand that. I know, I understand your heartbeat. I understand, Moses, why you want this. I know this is not, this is not uh, some, some uh, cheap game. I know that it's not just about you being convinced of something. I know it's not about that. You know all that already. I do realize that this is a longing of your heart to come in closer. And so God wants to accommodate that as best he can with God being God and Moses being a man. And so so he says, you stand upon the rock. And then secondly, in verse number 22, God says, uh, now, uh, not only that, as my glory is going to come past you, now, you, you do understand this is a literal event. You do understand this is not abstract. This is, this is, this is, they are somewhere and there is a rock and Moses has got to go and stand on that. And, and God is just talking like a friend. Okay, okay, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to let you see something that people don't normally see. But, but, but one, you need to understand, I can't show you my face. There cannot be, Moses, a 100% unveiling of me as long as you are a man. Now, there's a reason for that. And the reason is this, that God has commanded that men should walk by faith and not by sight. And that is a divine uh, uh, rule. It has to be that way. 
So God will not violate that. Nobody can come to Christ but by faith. That you, you're not going to come through anything visual. You're going to have to come by faith. It is not by sight. It's a rule of God. It will not be by sight. God is saying we're not going to work on the basis of sight. That is not how this is going to go between men and God. It's going to be by faith. I'm not going to show you everything that will not come to you uh, in this life. Now, it will come to you in your life, but not while you're living here. There's a rule that you can't see it all. And uh, you say, why? Well, ask him after when you get there. I'm just telling you what he said. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you to understand the rules of the game. Just trying you to understand that this is how it has to be. That, that it, it will work this way because he has mandated it so. And so you have to stand on the rock. But not only that, verse number 22, uh, as I come past you, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. You'll stand on a rock. And secondly, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. Are we thinking anything right now? Are we, are we joining the dots? Are we seeing who this is pointing to? Are we, are we understanding that we can only see God through Christ? Are we understanding that the only thing that stands between sinful men and holy God is Jesus Christ? And only in Christ can we see God. Only in Christ can we approach God. Only in Christ can we draw near to God. And so this is, even back now, even at this point, all this is, is vividly being portrayed. And so verse number 20, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And then God said, here's what we'll do, Moses. I'll come by you. And uh, what we'll do, you stand on the rock. And you sort of get in the cleft of the rock. And what I'll do, I'll cover you with my hand. Are you thinking about this? This is... This is rather curious. I'll cover you with my hand. And what I'll do, as you're here, I'll cover you with my hand. Because if you, if you see my face, you're dead. Don't tell me you're alive and you've seen his face. Because then you're making me believe you or him. And I know who I'm going to believe. But he said, I'll cover you with my hand because you can't. You can't see my face, and what I'll do, as you're on the rock and the cleft of the rock, I'll cover you with my hand. It'll be as it were that you're under the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll pass by you, and after I've gone past you, as I've already gone past, I will move away my hand, and you'll see the back. And that's that's the best I can do for you now. That's, that's how it will work right now. Now, in this is the great truth and the unfolding of why they didn't understand in Matthew chapter number 16 and why you don't understand and why you can't make sense of it all now because here's what God is saying. No forward view allowed. No front view allowed. But what will happen is after I've gone by, after it's taken place, then, Moses, you'll see my goodness, you'll see my glory. But you won't see it. I can't let you see it while it's happening. And here's what this means. It means God, it means God is at work, that God, God is around us, He's working, he's passing by you, he's closer to you than you know, because he can't let you see that. And and you're saying, I don't know what's happening, and I don't know what God is doing, and I just wish that God would lay it out before me and make it all clear. And he says, I'm not going to do that. The front side, you can't see. I'm not unfolding all the mysteries of God to you in this life. In this life you will walk by faith and not by sight. It is my command. In this will, you will walk by obedience. You will follow me step by step. You will go on a journey where you don't know where it's going to finally end. 
and I will give you all that you need for that to take place, but I will not show you the front. The forward view is not yours to see in this life. But after it's happened, I'll let you see the back, and here's what you'll say, I've, I, I've been through this, I didn't understand it, I don't know that I've fully understood it, but I can say this, I've seen the goodness and the glory of God in this. And that's what he was saying. I'll show you my goodness, I'll show you my glory, but not from the front after I've gone by you. But you'll be okay, because I have you on the rock, and you're in the cleft of the rock, and you're under the shadow of the Almighty. You're okay. And I know you're wondering, what's the forward view? What's happening at the front? What's going on up there? Don't worry about that. Now you can't see that, but it's okay. I'll let you see the back and you'll see the goodness of God. And that's God's way. And God doesn't lay it all out for the forward view is not yours to see. You don't know what's going to happen next week. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You don't know what lies ahead any more than you knew what has happened to you previously before it happened. You didn't know. God doesn't spell it all out for you. No forward view allowed. No, no, no facial view allowed. But you will know that when it's happened, God is good. I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen the glory of God. And that's, that's what was going on here. And you need to understand how it will work in this life. Jesus explained it to them and they still couldn't see the forward view. I mean, they had an un- unusual revealing, but they still couldn't recognize it when it was happening. Look, I, I would, I would say by word of testimony, I feel in process of some stuff happening with us that I don't fully understand. Uh, I, I can't fully make sense of it. Uh, but I do know this, God is good. And He's always been good. And, uh, and, when it, and it just, I look back and he's just, he's just good. His glory is there. It's okay. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what will be tomorrow. I don't know if that sickness is coming back again. I don't know if the cancer is going to resurface. I'm not sure what's going to happen in our family. I don't know how many more times I have left to preach. I don't know the forward view, but it's okay because I'm on the rock, in the cleft of the rock, and he's close by. Now, I have a closing verse, and you're in good time. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to see something here, and with this, we will depart. Having understood how it will work. First Corinthians chapter number 13. And this will be our verses from which we will leave here with tonight. Verse number 12 and verse number 13. Now in verse number 12 and verse number 13, you will see a natural division in the text And the division is now and then. Now and then. So the now is now. See, that's why you bring me over, to tell you things like that. (laughs) I understand where I am. And so the now is now, and the then is then, but then isn't now. Are we okay with that? You have to be clear about this. Because because then isn't now, and now isn't then, but there will be a then, but it isn't now. Okay? Now is now. Now, we have to understand this, because some things, you know, I... (laughs) You know, twice a year I laugh. Uh, that was a special moment. 
So, so the now is the part that we need to understand because it's now. The now is what you're going to leave here with. The then is coming. So God is telling you the then it will be, but it's not now. So here's what he says. Now we see through a glass darkly. Now. In this life, the best you're going to see God and understand all that is happening is going to be looking through a dark glass. You're going to recognize movement. You're going to recognize presence. I understand that we have a, a, a completed revelation in the Word of God, but I'm talking, he, and he's talking about the practical outworking of what is happening in your life. The, all the stuff that's going on. So you trust in his attributes, you trust in his goodness, but to try to make sense of everything that's going on in your life now is not possible in a 100% kind of way. Because you're seeing through a, a darkened glass. You have an obscured view. He's not going to show you the forward view. He's not going to show you the front view. You'll recognize his movement. You'll recognize his going past. You'll recognize his closeness. You'll know that you're anchored on the rock. Uh, you'll see his goodness. You'll see his glory. But you're not going to see everything. Why? Because he's deemed it to be so. Because he would have you to walk by faith and not by sight. Apparently, more glory comes to him in your trusting and in your obedience and in your love without understanding. He doesn't owe you explanations. He doesn't have to tell you that. And, and your affections for God and your heart should not be dependent upon you understanding everything. Who, who would you be to fathom that you could understand all of God? Who, how small would God be for your brain to understand Him? I mean, you're not going to see it. So now we see through a glass darkly, but then... Then, face to face. Now, Moses, I will pass by you, but, I, but you'll be in the shadow. Moses, you're on the rock. You have my presence. And Moses, you have my hand. But I can't show you my face. Now, Moses, I can see your face. I know all of you. I know, I understand you. God is, God understands everything about you. You know, God understands what you're thinking, what you're meditating on. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing obscure. There's nothing darkened in God's view of you. But there is something darkened in your view of Him in this life. And so now you see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Moses has seen his face to face. Moses has seen it, but that's because he's over there. No man shall see God and live. You can't see his face and live. So now and then. Now, now I know in part. Well, isn't that you? Isn't the truth that you don't know at all? Isn't the truth... You just, you know, some of it. No, I'm not talking about the revelation of God as he has revealed himself in the word of God. I'm talking about what is happening in your life. What he's doing in your family. What's happening in your church. What's going on in your marriage. That you just know in part. It's not given to you to see all that. So now I know in part, but then... Then, then is not now, shall I know even as also I am known. Then you'll know. But you can't know now. But you will know then. So we have the now and then and now and then. And you need to know which side of the equation you're on. You're on the now side. You're not on the then side. 
But once you're on the then side, you can't do the things that you can do on the now side. You see that? Now you can trust when you don't see. Now you can obey when you don't fully understand. Now you can love even when you hurt. You have an opportunity now to do some things you can't do then. Don't rush to the then. It'll come soon enough. When you get to the then, you wish you had some more now time. When you see it all, you wish that you could go back to the now and have a little bit more time to do some things for God when you can't fully see, when you do have to walk by faith, when you do have to trust Him, when you've just got to love Him even if you're hurting and you've just got to believe in what He's doing when you don't understand it. And that's what God is looking to get out of you now. That's His way. You've got a chance now to do something you can't do then. Because once sight comes, faith goes. You don't need to rush to that. It's soon enough. People say, I was in a meeting the other day, someone said, you know, he, praise God, he's coming back. It could be tonight. If it's not tonight, it's going to be soon. And, and we're going to see him. Listen, whether, whether it's tonight or whether it's soon, I'm age 50. My second coming is coming reasonably soon anyway. Do you understand that statement? I'm going to see him anyway. You understand? Uh, it's happening anyway. So, so, you know, if some, you know, you ought to live like you have that blessed hope in you. Well, you ought to live like you understand it's not too long and it's going to be face to face. So I need to live now the way he wants me to. I understand now I can't have what I'll have then, but you know what? Then I can't do what I can do now. And so, so you, you've got to know where you're at. Now and then. But, but then, then he goes on, but then shall I know even as also I am known, meaning in the same way that he knows 100% of you, 100% is everything. You'll know then. Now, here it is. Verse 13 is not an aberration. It is more important than you understand. Because in the absence of the things that you cannot have in the now... God says, I will give you something in the now you can have. In the absence of sight, in the absence of the forward view, in the absence of understanding all that's coming ahead, I'm going to give you three things that are part of the now life. And these three things, as you stand on the rock, you have my presence, you have my hand, you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty... But these three things will be your guide in the absence of the full facial view. And here they are. And tonight, you ought to understand that these three things are your compass and your survival pack for now. If you abandon these three things, you will flounder and be confused and be dismayed and be discouraged in the now life. So he's giving you what you need to survive the now. And here it is. And now, this side of the equation abideth faith. You need faith to chart your way in the now time. Hope and charity. What, 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 why don't we, why don't we major a little bit more on faith, hope, and charity? Why, why, why do we dismiss the things that God says are forever abiding? Why do we make light of the things that God says you will not make it in the now without these things? Faith, hope, charity, is what you will take hold of and you will live. Faith, hope and charity you will depart here with tonight. 
And that will be your compass. That, that, that will be your, your, that will give you the stability in the midst of not seeing, of not fully understanding like he understands you, in not having the forward view. If you hold on to these things, they will guide you in the absence of sight. In the absence of, I don't know what God's doing, and you don't. I don't know how many times I'm going to get to preach again. You're right, you don't. I don't know what's going to come of this. You're right, you don't. I don't know how this is going to work out. You're right, you don't. But if you hold on to faith, sight won't be all that important. If you hold on to hope, it will counter despair and doubt and down. And if you hold on to charity, you will live like Jesus lived. You'll have an inner witness that this thing, in the midst of whatever you're going through, is well-pleasing to God. Would you leave here tonight with an understanding, you're not departing in sight, but you will go with a renewed commitment to faith, to hope, to charity, and you'll hold on to those things that God has given you. The then is coming soon enough. But now it's time to do the now things. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's go ahead and stand. Why don't we have the music play? I wonder tonight if you would maybe make the journey to the altar to fall down before the king and to just thank him for all his goodness, for all that he's done, to thank him for what he has worked in your life, what he has shown you. Would you pledge yourself tonight to a renewed commitment to faith and hope in charity? Would you dare to say, I don't need to see your face if I have your presence? If you'll you'll just be close to me, Lord, I will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty with peace and trust if you'll just be there. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't shown me, for you give me a chance to live by faith and hope and charity. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you when I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for now. Thank you I can do something now. Thank you, Lord. Let me do the now things now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the rock. Oh, thank you, Lord, for where I stand. Thank you for my position in the cleft. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've passed by. You're close. I pledge myself as as best I know my own heart. I give myself to live the now by faith, by hope, by charity. Thank you, Lord.